Discover the power within. UnityOnlineRadio.org The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path for spiritually conscious living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and our topic today is Ayurvedic strategies for immunity and stress relief. Ayurveda is an ancient system of health that has lots of advice for us to keep us balanced, keep our stress levels low, and our immunity strong. Once again, I'm delighted to be joined by Acharya Shunya. Acharya is an award-winning and internationally renowned spiritual teacher and scholar of Advaita, which means non-dual wisdom. She is a classically trained master of yoga in Ayurveda, the first female head of her 2,000-year-old Indian spiritual lineage. She's dedicated her life to dissemination of Vedic knowledge that enables all humans to attain their full potential as healthy, authentic, and awakened beings. She is president of the Awakened Self Foundation and the founder of the spiritual and educational nonprofit Vedika Global. Acharya offers many online courses and retreats and is author of several books. Her newest book, which will be out in the fall, is called Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. And that's coming out in September of this year. Welcome, Acharya Shunya. I'm just delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Lara Lit, always a delight to be here at the Yoga Hour. The conversations are always so juicy. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> me too. Before we dive into that dialogue about Ayurvedic strategies for immunity and stress relief, let's begin with a yoga moment, a moment of present moment awareness. Om. So let's begin right where we are, whatever we're doing, whether we're sitting, standing, walking, and just bring our attention to our bodies, our body, feeling our bodies in space, feeling the surfaces that support our weight, feeling our feet. Perhaps they're on the ground, they might be crossed in your lap, but feeling your feet. And then turning your attention to the breath. Wonderful tool that's always with us and noticing as we take a fully conscious breath on the next inhale. And exhale. On the next inhale, really feeling that cool air in the nostrils and maybe the back of the throat. And on the exhale, feeling now the warm air as it passes out of the body. And then continuing to follow the breath. As we rest here, here's something to contemplate. A teaching from Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, founder and spiritual director of this show. And this is from her book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Every cell of our body is vibrant with divine power and wisdom. 
Learn to listen to its music. Attend to its prompts toward right action. Though the body continually sends out signals and clues for self-care and balanced living, too often we ignore those signals. We neglect to eat when we are hungry or sleep when we are tired. Learning to discern and heed the simple promptings of body wisdom is profoundly more important than accumulating information about healthy living. Study the book of your daily life, the signals of the body, the nudges of your conscience. Witness the way your heart opens into the beauty of the day, given enough space. Om. Once again, Acharya Shinya, I'm just so happy that you're here with me on, on the Yoga Hour. And uh, before we dive into our conversation, I did want to make a brief announcement about uh, some changes that are happening behind the scenes at the Yoga Hour. Some listeners may be aware that Unity Online Radio, which has been home to the Yoga Hour for more than the past 11 years, Unity Online Radio is ceasing production. The Yoga Hour podcast will definitely be continuing to produce podcasts and distribute them on all the major podcasting platforms. Our team is working in the background to assure the required changes will be seamless for our listeners. If you are a podcast subscriber, that subscription will continue and the programs will still be available on the yogahour.com website and through all major podcasting platforms. We don't anticipate any interruption in programming. We see this as a positive change that will allow us to open up new possibilities in the future. Let's go back to our topic for today, Ayurvedic strategies for immunity and stress relief. Acharya Shunya, one of the things I've always appreciated as a Western trained physician is that Ayurveda really looks at each individual as unique and makes different recommendations based on each individual, each person's individual constitution. There are three main mind-body constitutional types or doshas. Ayurveda draws on the Samkhya philosophy that explains how one supreme consciousness appears in so many different forms in the physical world. Ayurveda and yoga both view everything in the universe as being created from the five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. The five elements combine as these doshas in the body to perform various functions. So let's start there. What are these three doshas? The doshas, like you rightly said, are mind-body constitutions. When the elements organize themselves in pairings, doshas are born. And so somebody who may be more dominant in the earth and water pairing, while the other elements are also there, would be known as a dosh, uh, a kapha dominant individual, kapha dosha dominant individual. And they would embody the traits of earth and water, which we can use common sense to imagine them, mm-hmm. some heaviness, some moistness, and so the body itself would be having more bulk than not. Just mm-hmm. even from a even a child, even a newborn would be a would be a more well-defined baby. Mm-hmm. It's like what gym were you produced in? You know, <laughs> a baby. Similarly, uh, and they would have 
traits, mental traits of endurance and strength that they would gradually embody as they grow older. In those individuals in, in whose body and mind the air and space pairing is more dominant, they are said to be dominant in the dosha or the force or the biopsychological energy of vata, V-A-T-A. And vata literally comes from the word vayu, which means air or movement, va, the root word va in Sanskrit, movement. And air and space, as you can see, there is space to hold it and air is blowing here and there. So the mind would be very imaginative for sure and speed it up and somewhat changeable. That's not always bad. That's great for brainstorming and new ideas. And in the body, because it's air and space and less of earth, water and fire, it would be somewhat on the slimmer side, the thinner side. It would be less less mass and more oodles of energy, you can say. Mm-hmm. Finally, mm-hmm. the third mind-body type is in are those individuals who have the pairing of fire and water more dominant. And you put fire and moisture together, it creates for a moist heat. Mm-hmm. So such people would experience heat in their body, um, brilliance in their in their mind, and uh, like a sharp problem-solving kind of mind. And the tendency to be irritated, but they can also problem solve because they can see through things and and sort out and categorize things. And such people are said to be pitta dominant. Pitta literally comes from luster or heat. And while we may be mixes of all three, you will find something dominant in you. Um, And that's what we are looking at today. Because if somebody is kapha or earth and water dominant, come spring, earth and water is dominant outside in the macrocosm, it builds up within us and can sometimes show up as allergies. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, which we are definitely going to dive into. Before we did that, though, I just wanted to comment that what's been interesting in my own study of Ayurveda over the last several years is to realize, of course, whatever, uh, I have a lot of pitta in my constitution, but to realize that all three doshas are really needed in the body, that everyone needs, for example, you mentioned kapha with the earth and water, and, and everyone needs that stability. Everyone needs stability in their body. And then pitta being the um, fire and water element, that's metabolism in the body. Everybody needs that. And then vata, of course, the movement in the body. Everybody needs that movement in the body, the movement of you know the blood, movement of the air in and out of the lungs. So realizing that, of course, while there's some uh, dominance of one of the three, typically of one of the three uh, uh, doshas, that everyone needs all three, right? That is a very correct, correct assumption. Sometimes we reduce Ayurveda to what is our dominant dosha. And we don't take the time to understand that these doshas are known as housekeepers. And kapha dosha is giving us structure and immunity and strength. Pitta dosha is helping us digest and metabolize physical and mental stimuli. And vata dosha is even helping us have a conversation right now, Laura, (laughs) or move about in the body using our joints and our nerve impulses 
And these three doshas work together. It is said that vayu pittam kafascheti trayo doshaha samastaha. These three doshas are the complete, complete, um, complete expression of the living being. But vikrita vikrita deham ghananti te vartayanti cha. When these three doshas are in balance, when they are working together beautifully, we enjoy health. Mm-hmm. But any one, two or three doshas can get, get disturbed and then the very biopsychological functions of the body get interrupted. And then very simple things, even at a cellular level, metabolism will get disturbed if pitta is imbalanced. Right. The, the cellular integrity, cell wall structure will get challenged if kapha is disturbed. And every every cell divides appropriately, moves around in the body. There's transportation of every cell from here to there. Well, that is going to get disturbed if vata is disturbed. So it's a really fascinating medical model, not just a personality prototype model, but a medical model. And Ayurveda has been delivering health for thousands of years based on the doshas, where we would see, for example... Um, inability to, um, to inability for the nerve impulses to communicate with each other as a vata condition, and we would balance vata and presto, we have good results, mm-hmm. or uh, heartburn, or um, or even um, cellular metabolism being impaired would be seen as a pitta condition, and so on and so forth. Right. What I th- am, um, what has interested me about Ayurveda, as I mentioned, as a Western-trained, you know, physician, which looks at at uh, how do how does a population of people, like in a randomized controlled trial, we're looking at a whole population of people and trying to say what is best for everyone. But Ayurveda looks at everyone, as I mentioned, as a unique individual, and so balance for each individual may look different. So balance in me with my pitta constitution may look different from someone else who has more of vata in their constitution. Did you want to comment on that? Yeah, and that's the whole the whole personalized approach that Ayurveda brings to medicine, health and healing. And, and this approach was put in place 5,000 years ago. And that is why even there is no such thing as one food will serve all. There are fads in contemporary um, science, such as everybody should take estrogen or relieve estrogen, or everybody should eat almonds, or everybody should uh, try a certain oil. Well, it really depends on what is your dosha configuration. Do you have, for example, laurel? You may, if your pitta dominant is your second dosha, kapha or vata, Are you trying to, at an element level, are you trying to increase more fire or decrease it? Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to increase more fire, then maybe estrogen, for example, which is hormone and would be considered a fire substance, may be helpful. But if you're trying to decrease it, it's not going to be helpful. (laughs) Or, for example, are you trying to increase your earth element, kapha dosha, then almonds may be good. They are the new superfood because they're nutty and earthy and fine, but if you already have too much of it, I'd be wary of those earth, um, that extra earth element that I take in daily thinking that I'm doing myself a world of good. 
Similarly, mm-hmm. the garlic supplement that everybody has been taking <laughs> contains pure fire. What right. do you need it? Right. I've had yeah. people with rosacea and heat and hot men, and hot flashes saying, well, I'm very regular with my garlic supplement. <laughs> like, I right. don't know if you need that. Right. Because that's heat yeah. everywhere in your skin, in your your right. temperature variation has become disturbed, temperature control. It's all pitta pitta. And in fact, you need cooling things like cucumber instead. Right. That's going to be your superfood. Right. So it's really beautiful how we can personalize it and people feel so supported by a signature lifestyle and food protocol that helps them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not just the masses in a statistical study. Right, exactly. Another thing I really appreciate about Ayurveda is how it views each person within the context of the external environment and what is happening in the outer world. So each person is a microcosm that reflects what's happening in the world, in the seasons in particular. And that's what I wanted to ask you about today, because the doshas are also related to seasons. So would you say a little bit more about that for our listeners and then about all of the seasons? And then we can focus on what's happening right now, which is spring. This is the ultimate strength of Ayurveda, that it doesn't look at human beings um, in a reductionist way, estranged from their natural environment. And just like animals and plants respond to the changes in season, they respond to the changes in the light when the earth spins on its own exit. And they change in seasons based on when earth is rotating around the sun in an ecliptical, ecliptical orbit, which creates seasons. Their gut, their mind their uh, being responds to that change in temperature, in light, in the same way we do. So Ayurveda said very early on, yatha brahmanda, tatha pindanda, as is the macrocosm, so is the microcosm. And then they said that um, this doshic energy, or because everything is made of five elements, the seasons are also composed of five elements, and when we look at the spring season, there is definitely more water attribute to it. You can see that. You can see how every blade of grass is more moist. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, animals in the wild are producing litters right now, and they're all full of um, soft uh, fat, which is more water dominant. So there's water everywhere. And earth. So it's, there is a buildup in nature. There is there are things that were bare are now building up. You know, there's things showing, buds are showing. And so spring is considered a season when kapha comes to a peak in the macrocosm and it will be reflected in our body also. Mm-hmm. Then summer, summer to late summer, there is not only heat but dryness. We see mm-hmm. how the same grass that was moist looks burnt looks dry, everything yearns for some water in our backyards and our front yards. We too feel dry and feel desperate if you are without a water bottle somewhere. And and we stop and buy one. So this shows that there is more dryness. And dryness is an attribute of vata dosha or air and space. There is not moisture there. Along with some pitta, there is heat, but there is also extreme dryness. It has dried out the previous kapha, and it's a season of vata, balancing along with some pitta balancing. 
But finally, all that heat has built up. Heat's built up over summer, over late summer. And come fall, people start having mouth blisters for no reason. Fevers, uh, outbreak of chickenpox. As a doctor, you might notice some changes in patterns of when diseases break out. And typically heat-related conditions, heat-related hot eczema, not the oozy eczema that is related to kapha, water and earth, but the burning eczema. Burning conditions would aggravate in fall. Because why? Because it's a buildup of heat over a couple of seasons. And that's why in fall, Mother Nature grows cooling things like pomegranate. And and grapes to calm us down. And, and, and the moon comes out. The autumn moon is the biggest moon to calm us down. Because she's also helping. If Mother Nature knows what's our challenge with heat and pitta, she's also helping us with big signs, big billboards in nature saying, eat me, drink me, uh, hang out in the moon, uh, do less Surya Namaskar and maybe more Chandra Namaskar, as in do less yogic sun salutations and more moon salutations, moon salutations yeah. come out in the night. Mm -hmm. So this is how we get an idea about the seasons in Ayurveda. We share it with our community. And then we help people not only align with their individual dosha, but look at what's happening with those doshas in the seasons. Right. And right. then introduce some new foods and new lifestyle methods to bring that seasonally aggravated dosha in balance. And it's really great. People feel so much better. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, so we're in spring now, and spring is a kapha time. And as we mentioned, everyone has kapha in their, in, uh, in their constitution, although some people are more predominant in kapha than others. So everyone is going to have a little bit of a tendency to have a kapha imbalance in the, in the spring. What are some signs and symptoms of a kapha imbalance? The signs and symptoms of kapha imbalance are going to show up as definitely increase wateriness in your nasal passage or your respiratory passage, such as a runny nose or watery itchy eyes. The sinuses would feel like they're swollen with some fluid. There would be some tendency to constantly clear your throat. It will feel scratchy. So one would feel like <coughs> that could show up. And because that uh, in, in Ayurveda, hives are considered as unmetabolized water spreading under the skin and causing itchiness. So there can be a tendency towards hives. Itchiness is a kapha condition of unprocessed, unmetabolized water everywhere. One would catch the common cold or complain of the hay fever. Yes. There would be post-nasal drip. So they can be any one or several of these conditions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that are there. Less common conditions would be if one is already kapha, one already has a weak respiratory system, then this would be the season when people's bronchitis returns or their um, pneumonia can occur or their asthma, a wet asthma or a wet cough can show up. And because the nose is so filled up with fluid, there might be a reduced sense of smell. Mm -hmm. Ear infections could become more rampant during that time. Mm -hmm. because, you're, because, because of the macrocosm's invitation, your microcosm's kapha is going, going over the roof. It's going crazy. Right. 
And instead of giving you nice moisture in your nasal tract or your respiratory, it's creating nice mucosal lining. Everything is aggravated and causing mild to severe challenges. I've had people who come back and say, I dread spring. Every spring I have this or that. And then I take them through a year or two. I mean, I every year I tell them, well, in spring, follow some kapha balancing recommendations and they come back and say, presto, I'm doing much better because your microcosm is now not going ballistic with a kapha in nature. It's such mm -hmm. a deep insight and works mm -hmm. every single time. <laughs> yes, which is really lovely. And I, I must say that, that spring and allergies and colds were totally my experience of what I would see patients coming in with in the spring. Absolutely. Everybody had cold, allergies, sinus infection, ear ache. Yeah, this is all uh, totally inconsistent with consistent with my experience as a, as a physician. Um, we just have about a minute before the break. Um, did you want to say maybe choose one thing that people could do that would be a kapha balancing uh, thing to do uh, in the spring? And then we'll dive more into that uh, after the break. Oh, absolutely. And I can use this minute to say that to reduce the kapha, we can take some foods, which are specifically bitter, pungent, and and easy to digest. And the bitter and pungent releases some heat and some air to dry out the kapha. Bitter releases air, pungent releases the fire element. So things like ginger and black pepper would be extra helpful. And then we can also take some special herbs like the holy basil, tulsi, or the turmeric, gargle in the morning or in our food, and it will make the world of a difference. These tiny little things would save us from the doctor's trip, as Dr. Laurel confirmed that these things happen, and also save us from repeated courses of antibiotics. We're talking to Acharya Shunya a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda, and she is offering Spring Renewal with Ayurveda on uh, April 16th. This is 2022. You can find out more information and register at her website, acharyashunya.com. That's A-C-H-A-R-Y-A, acharyashunya, S-H-U-N-Y-A.com. And after the break, we will talk more about how we can make some changes in our lifestyle that will help reduce kapha at the spring time of year. Thanks for joining us. This is UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour, insights and practices for spiritually conscious living. Welcome back from the break. I am Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and we're talking with Acharya Shunya about using Ayurveda's ancient principles to stay healthy and keep our immunity strong. Um, Acharya Ji, I wanted to go back to this question about the digestive system, because I know the digestive system is so important in Ayurveda. And as you, as we were talking about kapha and kapha imbalance, it was mostly in the lungs that we were talking about and the sinuses and the you know, respiratory tract. So what, what, 
um, can you say more about the importance of the digestive system, using the digestive system really to balance all three of the doshas, regardless of where they act in the body? Ayurveda is such a holistic system, Laurel, that if you want to have relief in our respiratory system or any system, we have to go back to the mother system, which is the digestive system. And it's the mother system because this is where we ingest five elements. And this is the place where there is a factory where five elements get converted into dosha. So if we want to balance our vata, pitta, or kapha, we have to go back to what we eat and then how do we digest it. Mm -hmm. And there are three uh, major types of digestive processes that Ayurveda has defined, which we can easily self-diagnose. It could be where uh, food takes a long time to digest. And after eating food, we feel it dull ourselves. That means our metabolic fire called agni, it's been compared to a flame, mm -hmm. is dull. There is too much moisture there. It's not sharp enough. And then we have to ingest uh, metabolism-enhancing, sharpening agents like ginger, like garlic, like uh, holy basil or turmeric and uh, other spices like that. If it is too sharp, that means we eat and then we are hungry again. Mm. And, you know, we've eliminated it also super quickly. So it's an overactive, sharp metabolism. We don't even have to talk about hyperthyroidism here. This is among the general population. For example, my husband and my son have more pitta dominance and they're always hungry. <laughs> so, you know, it's just part of their metabolism. And then we have to take some, give them some cooling and stabilizing herbs like coriander powder, fennel. And so we choose to give them foods and spices that calm and slow down the metabolism. And then we could have the third kind, which is very common in the Western world, which is an erratic metabolism. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're hungry and you eat up the kitchen first thing in the morning. And some days you don't even eat till noon because you're not hungry. Similarly, your elimination, which is impacted by your digestion, is changeable. And this is more of a vata kind of a metabolism. So we have dull in kapha, tendency towards dullness in kapha, sharpness in pitta body type and a tendency towards being erratic in vata body type, or just because of the lifestyle we lead nowadays, which is more vata, where it's so changeable and we are so busy. Now, given that metabolism is so important for respiratory health, we don't want too much kapha, a big focus, a giant focus throughout the year, and especially during the season is to pick up the metabolism, to give it, to give it foods that don't slow it down, Mm -hmm. uh, and to, which are easy to digest, like a mung, mung lentil based, protein, mung protein based um, food would be soup would be easier to digest than uh, a beef stew, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One would be harder to break down and harder to process than the other. We would add things, and I've talked about things like turmeric, ginger, black pepper, long pepper, neem. These kind of things we add to our foods on an ongoing basis to so that those microparticles in our food can then contribute their fire and their bitterness, which is um, that taste is more air dominant to our food. And so the colloidal um, mass of food that is being 
that is that comes up to our metabolism has not just earth and water, but strategic fire element in it, strategic air and space element in it. And then because our metabolism is working better and we are following some food rules like don't eat late at night, don't constantly snack, give some fasting time and burning time to the in-between for the digestive system to crank up. We follow some of these food rules. What's going to happen is less kapha will be produced. And when less kapha is produced, there is less allergies. And so it's at, at the digestive level that we break this pathological chain of mm -hmm. excessive kapha production, which then fills up each and every cell, making us feel heavy and sleepy, not to mention flooding our respiratory system. Mm-hmm. That really is so beautiful to look at Ayurveda as this holistic system, as we were talking about over the break. I mean, it really it, it incorporates really everything in these qualities that we talked about, the five elements as being present everywhere. They're also in the food, of course. And so thinking about kapha as being heavy, we can think, for example, dairy products are are heavy. And so that's one of the things that probably is not a great idea. And what I find when I eat dairy products in the spring is I really am aware of the mucus, all the mucus that's building up. That's right. And and here's a great example. One is if you're in a severe case, we have to eliminate them completely. And if you are in in-between, like I'm an in-between kapha person, like occasionally it will go up, I will take a cup of milk and I will smother it with turmeric and mm. cardamom and saffron and black pepper, and I'll cook it till all those spices mix up with the milk. And then when I take it, there are chances that there'll be less mucus. Mm -hmm. So this is the beauty of Ayurveda, where we will also mod either eliminate a food, that knowledge is very, very helpful. And when people have super aggravated allergies, I say, don't even look at dairy. <laughs> And in some people, for example, children, growing children may need milk. Then I would say to them, okay, I'll tell the mom and dad, you've got to put turmeric and cardamom and other things in it and tell them that you're having golden milk or yellow milk and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we use, once we, under, it's so beautiful that we don't just blame the pollen out there. We don't just blame the allergen out there. We look and take stock of our own agni, our own digestive process. Mm -hmm. and uh, makes a big difference. We had mentioned also over the break the idea of uh, having uh, warm water with lemon and honey in the morning. Would you say more about that? Yeah, hot water is, what is guess what it's adding to our system? Not only moisture, but it's adding heat, fire element, versus cold water or even room temperature water. So take the time to heat up your water mm -hmm. and reasonably well and drink that in first thing in the morning. And you will notice that your agni or your digestive flame gets enkindled because of it. Mm -hmm. Honey, though it is sweet, is said to be, when it gets digested in the body, it's really pungent. So honey adds fire to our system and so does lemon. And uh, I would say that during spring, lemon is just a dash, but there is more honey. Mm. And um, there is a theory of not heating honey too much. So I would not boil water and add honey there. I would have heated the water, brought it into a cup, and then add honey to it. So there is mm -hmm. 
a little time between heating the water and letting it cool down because honey is a temperature sensitive substance. And so if you cook honey, according to Ayurveda, it can go through some, um, bio, through some chemical changes at its molecular level that may or may not be able to be digested by us. So it's amazing how these yogic scientists of Ayurveda had all these insights of, uh, you know, temperature sensitive foods, temperature stable foods, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But definitely, uh, even right now, it is spring in my part of the world where I'm recording this and I'm sitting with a cup of hot water, <laughs> definitely sipping that. Even if you don't have lemon and honey handed, handy, at least take sips of hot water versus juices and, uh, you know, um, milkshakes and uh, <laughs> other such things which are, right. if they are raw, they are hard to digest. Yes. So that might they, might they might be fine from a caloric perspective, but they might be uh, a liability because you fill up your stomach with so much liquid in the morning. Mm. And uh, milkshakes and other such sweetened drinks are a complete no-no. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. had children, I've had parents who bring their children with repeated problem of ear infection. They've even had a tube put in and it still comes back. And then I look at it, the mother hands them a, a juice drink every mm -hmm. two hours thinking that they're sipping vitamin C. But what they're really sipping is all this fluid with, you know, even good or bad sugar. But it's just too much fluid and too much water intake, too much fluid intake. That also sweetened is going to be a big liability on your digestifier in spring. Mm -hmm. When I remove that, I make that one change. They come back and tell me after six months, uh-oh, we're doing well. Not one ear infection for the last six months. That makes mm -hmm. a difference. Yes. Similarly, mothers in America hand their children cheese sticks to, <laughs> to snack upon. And I'm like, no, cheese stick is not going to work. That's too much dairy. Yes, That's right. And not in dairy. spring, especially not in spring. Yeah, not in spring. Otherwise, yeah. we can look at it, but not in yeah. spring. Understanding the the element part, I think, is so helpful because with uh, kapha being the earth and water, so there's it's cold, it's cold and heavy, and so we think about um, you were just mentioning raw foods, and a lot of people will think, oh, a salad, it's so healthy, but actually, it's better in the spring if we have cooked foods, right? Warm cooked foods. That's right, because the digestion, remember, the agni is naturally dull. Mm -hmm. And um, a cooked food is like we've borrowed the fire from the stove, and then we put it in your inner stove, which is not doing that well. And that food is less of a liability. And raw food requires a sharp agni to digest. So raw food would be, if you have to have it, it would be better in fall when the agni becomes and winter, when the agni becomes naturally sharp for reasons we are not going into, but that's a better time. It's your agni or your fire is not flooded with water element at this point. Mm -hmm. Speaking of agni and the importance of this digestive fire, I'm always struck how in America, everything when you go into a restaurant, it's ice water, bring you ice water. <laughs> Which it just strikes me as it's not a good idea, right? Especially in kapha time in the uh, in the spring, to flood our agni, our digestive fire with uh, with ice water. 
especially in spring and i would say generally also because i think ice is a shock to our digestive system or if you look at the organ of our stomach which contains various acids including the hydrochloric acid that is a place for thermal activity it's a place where the thermal um, dynamism and transformation has to take place that is why if you look at all of asia and southeast asia china japan korea india tibet everybody drinks warm water mm. uh, or at least room temperature water uh, this is a unique habit of us americans here not my habit but uh, generally people like even in the height of winter they'll go to the refrigerator fill ice and then drink it and it's such a it's and and so what ice does is it every food product will either give you heat or take away heat from you at at the physics level if you understand that if you're taking ice it's taking away your heat so it's compromising your digestion but when you drink room temperature or or hot water ideally but at least room temperature water it is not taking away your precious heat i think the only people who may benefit from ice is when they are dying of hypermetabolism and it's so aggravated that you know everything they eat turns into ash within 30 seconds well right. they need ice yeah. to calm down the heat but otherwise think about it ice was not you know it people didn't exactly add them to their drinks long ago this has become more popular since the invention of the refrigerator and the cubes and all of that right. so we should look at if nature wants us to do that or not mm-hmm and a restaurants will bring you a a cup of of warm water hot water if you ask for it i have found uh you just have to remember Even to ask for it every, yes. everybody would oblige so yes. we can just ask and treat ourselves in a special way knowing what we are doing is we're supporting our own metabolism and if our metabolism is supported we won't gain the weight that we want to gain we will shed the weight easily just drinking hot water can lead to weight loss because you're upping your metabolism and while you go about your business um that that increased metabolism is digesting some toxins and weight from you and fat from your cells so think mm-hmm. about that another type of food that strikes me as being very heavy would be fried food so probably not a great idea in the spring would you agree I would totally agree and at the same time it's hard for people to stay away from it completely. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you're going to have some fried food have it in the daytime when the sun is out versus in the evening when the sun is setting and so now your inner sun is also setting so to say this is not just dramatic theatrical descriptions this is science modern modern functional medicine and other systems of uh, cutting edge science and western medicine are now understanding the connection between the gut health the gut flora with the the amount of light in the sky so mm. if you have to have it have it in the daytime and if you are going to have something fried i would smother it with things like daikon which mm. is pungent um some ginger powder some black pepper and definitely avoid sugary fried foods those would be <laughs> those would be worse you might eat that thinking it's daytime and then next day you have a scratchy throat it's going to happen yeah. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. be very careful and if you can uh, try and 
fry things at your home, I would I would be really, really concerned about eating fried food outside. Things like, um, because things like even uh, French fries, which we think are so ubiquitous in our culture, they are cooked in the wrong kind of oil, which is too heavy. The potato is often not a natural potato with its natural benefits. It has, it's it's been processed too many times. All these things are very hard for your already dulled agni to process, break down, convert into healthy cell and healthy energy. Instead, it converts it into unprocessed, watery toxins in your body that then lead to overloading of your respiratory system or suddenly your skin begins itching or hives break out. Mm -hmm. In addition to diet, Ayurveda also has lots of other lifestyle advice. In particular, I wanted to ask you about exercise. So what type of exercise and what time of day do you suggest that we exercise in the spring? It's so beautiful when you go back to the ancient texts of Ayurveda, which are in Sanskrit, but now available in translation, so many languages. They say that spring is a great time to go for walks. Uh, Enjoy nature and its beauty and also keep walking because walking will is opposite. It brings air and space energy, which is opposite to the water and earth energy of kapha. So walking is one of the best forms of exercise along with, of course, yoga, sun salutations, if you, are, if you know asanas, which build up heat within the body, pranayamas such as um, the bellows breath, kapal bhati, etc. These are breathing techniques that you can learn, which um, increase the vital flow of prana or air within your being and also they impact your digestive organ. And pretty much uh, hectic exercise can be taken up during spring. Of course, your stomach should not be too full. Exercise before eating, because if you've eaten a decent meal or even a snack, and then you exercise, your blood will flow towards your limbs. And again, your agni will take uh, take a dip. And when agni takes a dip, Kapha builds up and toxins build up. So everything that we do, we are so protective about our digestive system. It's not even funny. Mm. But this wisdom has been tried and tested and it brings relief where um, people are, you know, just living on antihistamines, feeling drowsy uh, or feeling like just about anything sets them off. I remember this one person who would, Uh, get up in the morning and drink pineapple and OJ, like mixed together, chilled from the refrigerator, and then begin sneezing. Mm -hmm. And they came to me and told me, like, it's this big mystery why they do that. I said, first of all, don't even walk around on the kitchen floor without your furry slippers, because that cold is going to, Mm -hmm. cold will, like increases like, so cold will increase cold kapha. And pineapple and OJ is just, and chilled, is not okay, drink hot water, or if nothing else, drink black coffee, because black coffee is bitter. Mm. And that would be still better than OJ, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't recommend coffee drinking necessarily because of caffeine dependence. But if somebody had a ritual, we know when what is more appropriate. And then I told them, 
get up in the morning and start breathing vigorously. When you wake up, just breathe vigorously, whether you know yoga, pranayama or not. Fill up your system with air and space and that breathing will bring up heat in your body. And that's going to stop the, the sneezing. Within one week, he wrote back saying, sneezing gone. And this used to be such a big mystery for him for the last 10 years, why he would have a bout of sneezing first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great story. That's <clears throat> a really uh, good illustration. <clears throat> well, we, we have about a little over two minutes left, and I wanted to give you a chance to share some words of encouragement or inspiration with our listeners. What would you like? What would you like to say? I would like to say that um, if you are someone who suffers from spring allergies or round-the-year allergies, if you're somebody who has begun leading a lifestyle of being afraid of nature because of pollens and all that press that media has given and modern science has given that it's those things out there to blame, you should look at that you are the host and not everybody gets allergies. So what can you change amongst inside yourself, which is mm-hmm. the dosha imbalance? You can bring it to balance. But the good news is no matter how many years you have suffered from this, within one season, you'll see a drastic difference because the body wants to heal itself. The body doesn't keep score. It's not going to say, well, for last 20 seasons, you were drinking OJ, so I'm not going to listen to you anymore if you're drinking hot water. You give it balance, it's going to come into balance. That's what I would say. You can read my book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, if you want, where there are recipes to balance kapha and to follow the uh, spring pacification guidelines. That would also help you. But even listening to this one discussion between Dr. Laurel and myself can at least instill those seeds in you that help is possible and there are some traditions that have done deep deep research over thousands of years and come up with recommendations that are not going to change with the next research they're going to stand by they're called shashwata or eternal and they've been delivering health worldwide and they're going to continue to do so with you too mm-hmm. that's great we have just another minute. I was wondering about stress. Maybe this isn't fair to ask you, but is there an Ayurvedic um, recommendation about stress, stress relief? Stress relief is also important in spring, in, in allergies also, because I think stress is something that undoes all doshas and disturbs the agni or the metabolism because it is a danger response in our brain that we are not doing well and that disturbs all of us. And I think one of the best herbs which is now available worldwide or through online sources is called tulsi, mm-hmm. a holy basil. And tulsi is something, if, if you can grow it in your home, you can find your local nursery. Then consuming three to six fresh tulsi leaves first thing in the morning or putting them in a tea, which just with hot water, and honey would not only clear you of your histamine response or your kapha response, but it is so sattva or calming promoting. It is considered a holy herb. It will help you de-stress. Additionally, you can drink tulsi tea any time of the day. So when we looked at stress, um, Laurel, though I gave you a simple response of tulsi, it can also be ordered online as a powder and a tea can be drunk several times a day during spring and you'll find that you're a happy camper and you're not sneezing 
So oh, that's great. Will happen. That's but great. And that's the that end. Ayurveda Actually, has we need to, we, approach we, to stress where it teaches a whole lifestyle of dharma right. or um, ethics, a lifestyle of more spiritual connection, a lifestyle of yoga and meditation. And I think right here on this podcast, you will get many, many, many tips to lead that kind of a lifestyle. And I would say that is still an Ayurvedic recommendation because Ayurveda recommends leading a life where we nurture our inner being. And I think that's what our conversations and Dr. Laurel's conversations and Yoga Chara's conversations are all about. Um, well, thank you. And we've got to stop. We've got to stop. Uh, you're listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and host of the show, and we've been discussing Ayurvedic strategies for immunity and stress relief with Acharya Shunya. You can find out more about Acharya Shunya at her websites, acharyashunya.com. And Acharya is A-C-H-A-R-Y-A, Acharya Shunya, S-H-U-N-Y-A, acharyashunya.com, and also vedicaglobal.org. This program will be on our website, theyogahour.com, and all of Acharya's links will be there as well. Um, Let's see. Uh, Don't forget, there are many online programs offered by the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including uh, daily meditation. You can check the schedule at csecenter.org. Uh, uh, and um, thank you so much, Acharya, for joining me today on the show. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.